presence. Of course, you know, we live in his presence and he's with us always. He abides. And, uh, but there's just something special about always coming together in one mind and one accord and worship and praise and, and, uh, receiving the faith that we need from the word and, and encouragement from one another. Amen. Um, just a quick announcement or two. Um, Tonight at 6.30 is our special, we call it Christmas Night of Music and Candlelight Communion Service, and it is always followed by our church Christmas party. We'll have some snacks and some things to eat and then a little gift exchange. It's just a fun time, and so um, please come out to that if you can make it. Uh, Tonight we have a special guest artist. His name is Richard Drexler. He is a celebrated pianist, composer, uh, instrument. Um, he's actually, what am I trying to say? Inventor. There's the word. Instrument inventor. He has invented uh, several instruments that have been taken to market. and He's just really a musical genius. But he's also a, an amazing Christian and uh, loves to worship the Lord. and. Um, He's an interesting character. He he took a lobster uh, on his prom date in high school and has always had pet lobsters ever since and other crustaceans. So, um, you know, artists are interesting people. Uh, and he has a beard down to... I, I just wanted to tell you this in advance so that you're not shocked uh, when you see him and think, surely that's not the guest artist, but it will be. And he has a beard down to his knees, almost like ZZ Top. And um, if you remember ZZ Top. And so, um, and he wears Mardi Gras beads usually. He did tell me last night on the phone that he has a brand new lobster suit that he has never completely worn yet. And he's thinking of wearing that. And I said, sure, just wear it. We don't care. (laughs) Just the weirder, the better, you know, praise the Lord. And, um. So I don't, I don't know if he'll show up in that. If he does, it'll be a nice photo op. You know, Larry the Christmas Lobster or something. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, but his talent is amazing. And he has accompanied um, um, people like Tony Bennett and Bernadette Peters at Carnegie Hall and just the top of the music world, and especially in jazz. And so uh, I told him just to do... We're going to do a few carols up front, and then Ruby Ann's going to sing a couple of specials. Amen. And amen. And then we're going to turn, uh, after the offering, we're going to turn the the uh, rest of the program over to Richard. And he said, you know, he wanted to know what time we got out. And I said, we don't really care. Just do your thing, whatever you want to do. <laughs> and he said, okay, 2 a.m. I said, well, this isn't exactly a nightclub, so I don't know how many will still be with you at 2 a.m. Music lovers will stay up all night with singing and playing, and they don't care until they pass out, you know, but everybody else is like, well, I don't know. Praise God. I enjoyed my mother today. I had her play one song with us. (laughs) So happy to have her with us in service. She's 91. But we won't hold that against her. Praise God. It's, it's uh, pretty good to get to 91. She's almost heading to 92. And uh, I think we'll keep her around a little longer. Praise God. And uh, 
She's a blessing. So she was really my very first piano teacher in the sense that she taught me, uh, what was the name of the book? Teaching Little Fingers to Play. That was the songbook, and, and Mother taught me how to hit the first notes. So I owe her a lot, you know, for starting my talent. And then sacrificed, uh, you know, you don't realize it until later how much your, your folks do for you sometimes until you're, you're older. And she's, I know they sacrificed a lot for me to get really, really good piano lessons from really, really good teachers in a really big city. So you can imagine that was uh, quite a sacrifice back in those days in the 70s. And that talent has taken me around the world, literally, and put food on my table. So I'm grateful to, to you, Mother, for seeing something in me <laughs> that could be developed. Amen? All right. Let's get to the message and get out of here before the Baptists beat us to the cafeteria. That was... <laughs> we love the Baptists, but they'll beat you to the cafeteria every time and get in the line. You're in the back. Praise God. If you would, open your Bibles to John 3.16. Anybody recognize that passage? In the name of this message, and we, and we, we might have remarks just a little shorter than normal this morning just because of the uh, program this afternoon and tonight, and we want to make sure that you can't blame me for not having enough time for to get back, all right? Uh, well, I would have gone back, but the preacher was too long, so I'm not going. Somebody was, mother, mother was saying the other day to us that she didn't know if all this internet TV, uh, internet service and everything was, was really good because, you know, maybe some people just choose to stay home and watch church online instead of coming coming out to the to the physical location and um, I, I heard a, a joke about that last year or the year before during COVID quarantine it said three benefits of staying home and watching church online one you can watch in your pajamas two you can have popcorn or snacks during the service and three, you can mute the pastor if you don't like what he's saying. <laughs> so I don't know. I suppose that's supposed to be offensive to me, but somehow I find it funny. Because there's certainly been some preachers I wish I could have muted. <laughs> or deleted, you know. <laughs> the, the delete switch. All right. John 3.16. This is, uh, the name of this message is the greatest gift. This is gift-giving season, isn't it? All we think about and talk about is Christmas gifts, and do we have enough gifts under the tree, and did we get everybody on our gift list that should have been gotten on there, and oh my, we forgot Aunt somebody, and we got to go grab her or something, you know. So it's, it's always about gift, gifts and giving. It's the season of giving. But uh, whose idea was giving to start with? It was God's, amen? And God is not some kind of crazed, you know, dictator that's the, the, the you know, narcissistic uh, entity that sits there on a throne and demands everybody bring everything to him uh, like some, like I said, like some crazy king or something that just wants it all and forgets you. 
That is not who God the Father is. And if, if God has shown us anything, He has led the way on giving. He is the original giver. Amen? He has given us all life. He has given us breath in our lungs. And um, He has created the world for us to enjoy and to live in and to sustain our life. And His ultimate gift was His gift of grace and gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I wanted to look at this from that standpoint on what is what does all this really mean, the, the gift giving. And it says here, for God so loved the world. So we know that, that, that love is the motivation for giving gifts. Amen? And uh, so for God so loved the world, that he, bought, he loaned us his only begotten son just so that he would have three and a half years of a taste of greatness and then buy. No, he gave us his only begotten son, gave him to us. Isn't that something? Our gift from God was the greatest thing he could have given. In fact, uh, we won't turn there, but in Romans, Paul says that if God has given us Jesus, what other good thing would he withhold? A lot of times people think God's their problem. God's not answering my prayer. He's not providing my needs. He's not doing what I've asked him to do. He has some weird, you know, predestined reason to not do that. He, he doesn't want to answer that prayer. But that's not true. The Bible says if God has given us Jesus, what uh, the implication is what other good gift would he withhold? What would that be? And so, um, you know, things like material things, money or whatever, what is that compared to the value of Christ? What is that compared to Jesus? It's, it's, it's dirt. It's nothing. It, it comes from dust and returns to dust, right? And um, has anybody ever seen a, any, anybody ever seen a junkyard full of automobiles that were, you know, every single one of them used to be somebody's dream, used to be some wonderful uh, thing uh, that they even, you know, almost hurt themselves financially in some cases to own. And now it's a pile of rust. And if they don't do something with it, eventually it re literally returns to a pile of rust, rusted metal into the ground. And so... Um, you know, again, what? so it, why would God withhold something that's going to return to rust from you if you needed a new car or whatever, and that was your prayer? Why would God keep that from you? What lesson would he be trying to teach you to, you know, for to do that? And so we have that concept that God's not, folks, God's not your problem. He's not withholding anything from you. God's your answer. He is the giver. He says, you know, ask me and I'll give it to you. Ask me and I'll, and if you ask any, Jesus said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. Give it to you. Not make you earn it from him to show you how, well, I've gone three days and I haven't said a four-letter word or something like that and get some point. No, it's, 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 um, it's not that. We're not earning, we're not working for our salvation. We're not working for our healing. We're not working for our deliverance. We're not working for our provision. Amen. 
God is a good God. We sang that today. God is a good God, and he wants to bless you. And again, say, well, I don't know. He doesn't want me to be spoiled. He might withhold that. No, he's already given you the most valuable thing, and that's Jesus. Preach, pastor. So it says, for God so loved the world that he gave, again, not loan, not made you earn it, his only begotten son, that whosoever, say that means me, amen, whosoever surely means me. If you're not a whosoever, it's because you're not human, I guess. I don't know. Um, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have temporarily a life until you make the next mistake, and then you're on the, the crud list again. No, have everlasting life. So look at this beautiful gift of Jesus. It's not only grace and salvation. It's a relationship with him. It's eternal life. It's, it's hope of heaven. It's a beautiful thing, amen? Can you think of any greater gift that even could be imagined or could be given other than Jesus? There is no greater gift. So God's the original giver. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. I wish parts of the church would agree with that but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Not condemned, but saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Praise God. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Amen. Because he hath, for one reason, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. That's what separates Believers from non-believers. If you'll believe on the name of the Lord, call upon his name for salvation. He will save you. Amen? And you receive this gift. So the gift is available. You know, the difference in, 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 in true Bible evangelistic preaching and teaching and universalism, the difference is that we preach and from the Word and can prove it over and over again that salvation is available to every person. Amen. Every person has uh, this gift of grace and salvation with their name on it. But you've got to claim it. <laughs> you've got to receive it. Amen. And so uh, Scarlett and I, um, a couple of nights ago, we went downtown to um, Performing Arts Center and and uh, went to the Handel's Messiah presentation, and uh, the tickets, I are, the tickets were bought and paid for. I bought them online, and they were held at a place called Will Call. And uh, you go to the Will Call window, and you and you give your name. And of course, the first lady can't find your ticket. Of course, it's always that way, and she gets very confused and frustrated, and. Uh, uh, th so they bring employee number two to find your ticket, and they, they finally find it, and there you have. But I'll tell you what, if you go to the door where they're checking the tickets and you don't have your ticket, they won't let you in. <laughs> it's that simple, amen? You have to have a ticket. And there is a ticket waiting at the will call desk with your name printed on it with your seat number and your row number so you can go enjoy the concert. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> You know, 
That's the way salvation is. It's like everybody's name is at will call, ready to be claimed. But you have to claim it. And you're condemned already if you don't do it. Amen. So I don't want that preacher. I don't go up there to that grace church. They don't have any grace because they're, uh, you know, they make me feel bad. Well, you know, we're not the condemners. Um, God's not the condemner. It says already they're condemned already. Amen. For not believing on the name of Jesus. So if you believe on his name, call on his name for salvation, you'll be saved. It's, it's, it's like, it, all it is is like claiming your ticket at will call. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. The whole world. Isn't that beautiful? But now if you, if you twist that up and preach, well, then everybody's saved. Forget it. Well, you're not believing the Bible. You've, you've, you've added to Scripture or either taken away, and now you've got a real problem. Amen? Y- y'all getting anything out of this? Here's the first miracle today. Now, we thank God for this gift of Jesus. And that should open up your faith and your heart today, whatever it is you need to believe Him for. And and I think Christmas is a great time to extend faith. Not for maybe what's going to be under the tree, but, but extend faith for whatever, for this next year, redo your vision board. Uh, redo your, or, or if you don't have a vision board, at least get a notebook and write down what it is that you need God to do. What do you need God to do in this coming year? Amen. What is, what is it that God uh, uh, could do for you that make your life better and, and uh, help you to serve him better and those things? Amen. Uh, just make that list. And if you can, if you can get a little, even just a little, small, you know, 24 by 12 uh, cork board or whatever, put it up on your wall and put pictures and things on there of what you're believing God to do for you. Maybe maybe it's a loved one that you're believing God for uh, in some way. You can put their picture up there. And so you can stand there just a few moments, uh, a few minutes every day or whenever you pass by and Say, I thank you, Lord, and you pray for these things, and you agree and claim them by faith. Amen. Put Mark eleven twenty three up there uh, about uh, whosoever shall say, and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Put that up there. We used to put our faith uh, uh, needs on three-by-five cards and We'd put a scripture on one side and a confession on the other, and we'd carry those with us in our pocket. How many ever did something like that? Put them on your mirror <laughs> and, and claim. You know, my, my grandmother, uh, who passed away a few years ago, uh, when, we, when we were there and went through her house and, you know, helping to, to put things away after she had, had uh, passed, I noticed that she had scriptures all over the house. She had scriptures stuck on with like post-it notes, you know, or tape. She had little scriptures just stuck on the mirrors, scriptures uh, underneath stuff in the, under the coffee table. And, and uh, you know, I was really touched when I found my name, that my name was on one of those. And she was praying for me and, and, and my wife's name and my children and, and uh, my, my, my little grandmother was praying for us. Amen. 
And that was so touching. I thought, what a legacy. What, what a beautiful gift to be left behind. More important than any crystal ball or whatever, you know. Right? Praise God. And uh, these are the kinds of gifts that we find. I don't know if that means a lot to you, but it certainly did to me. Can you imagine that? Finding your name. Somebody had been praying for you. Didn't know. She never would say anything about it. She wasn't like that. She wasn't very loud or boisterous. I don't know. Mother and I got that from some other place. I don't know. It wasn't from, it wasn't from my grandma. I think it was from my grandfather. He could uh, tell you how it was from the porch before you got to the sidewalk, you know. <laughs> A little more tough customer. All right. Can you find Matthew 2? Um, Matthew is different than Mark, isn't it? We're going to read about the this Magi group, these... Um, these king, these uh, special, you know, some people call them kings. Other, other, uh, you know, Bible commentators have said that they were certainly, they, they may have been kings, but not in the sense of over a kingdom. But they, they were like aristocrats. They were uh, prominent, important people from the places they had come, and I think this is interesting. Um, and kind of undoes our socialistic mindset sometimes about uh, about um, you know rank and file in the world. Um, but it's interesting that they brought Jesus uh, these expensive gifts and gave to him. And a lot of people say today, and I, I so badly, Pastor Dan, want to ask them one question when I hear this. Oh, I just wish I could go to the manger and bring Jesus a gift. And I so badly want to say, do you pay tithes? Because, you know, you want to bring Jesus a gift, but you don't want to help the church do anything. So I don't know how that works. It just sounds sweet, but it's not really very deep, you know. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in, just a kick in the ribs. But... um it is true, isn't it? Like we sometimes get all religious and stuff about things and it's want to say stuff that sounds cool. But then would you look at a, a life and a heart, you know, sometimes it doesn't match up with what's going on. Amen. But um, I just thought this was interesting that twice the Bible talks about uh, Jesus being brought things. And one is at his near his birth. It says actually, this was actually a, a period of time after they, you know, the manger scene shows the three wise men standing there at on the night of the birth. That didn't happen. Just so you know, that's there's a time frame. But you know, we don't want like scene after scene after scene. You know, I mean, but uh, they so they fit the Christmas story, but they really weren't there the night of the birth. They came later seeking the child. So we have an account of. Of, of people bringing gifts to Jesus. And then in his preparation for burial, his feet were anointed with a very expensive um, oil box, the alabaster box, a woman broke open. And of course, it was one of Jesus' team members who said, 
that shouldn't have been wasted, that could have been sold and fed the poor or whatever. And so uh, anytime you have somebody pop up with something like that, you need to watch them because there's something going on funny with the money. And he was actually stealing from the bag, and that's the reason he was upset. It wasn't because he cared about the, the oil. He just he cared about the value of the oil because he was a dipper, you understand, into it. Now, so you think, you know, some people think, uh, God, God, I don't know why God's not blessing my ministry or whatever. You know, maybe I've got trouble in the camp. You think, you, you think you might think about Jesus. He had like four bozos on his team. Now they all kind of straightened out except for Judas. Judas didn't make it to, to the rehab center, but the other three, you know, did. But I mean, you know, think about Jesus has got 12 people on his evangelistic team. And one of them's Judas, who is an absolute thief and a liar and a freak show. And then you've got, and, and in charge of the money, you know. Well, praise the Lord, don't everybody shout at once. The guy in charge of the money is stealing and, and, and is a weirdo and talks, let's feed the poor, whatever. But he's not... He's, it's, it's a front. It's a fraud. Number two, you've got Peter who denied him three times. He couldn't hold papers in the assemblies of God or the church of God. He's denied Christ three times. I don't even think the Southern Baptists would take him. The Methodists might. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, he denied Christ three times, which we consider the unpardonable sin. He not only did it once, he did it three times. He qualified, tasted of the heavenly gift, knew everything, walked with Jesus. And they said, you're one of those Jesus people. I, I don't know no Jesus. I've never seen no Jesus. I mean, he completely denies him three times. Three times he does this. Then he's got Thomas who was known as Doubting Thomas. I would never name a church St. Thomas. I'm sorry. St. Thomas Faith Church. I mean, it just doesn't go together. <laughs> God bless him. And then, it's a joke. And then, finally, we've got Philip, who's not, who kind of agrees with Thomas, and he's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't really know. We, when you, before you go, I need you to show me who you really are. That's Philip. Thank you. What? So you got some problem people there, and yet Jesus still worked miracles and did the will of the Father in spite of that. Amen? So, you know, if you're watching today, you're a pastor or a leader, and you got staff problems, welcome to the club. Amen? Jesus had staff problems, and yet he still went forward and did the will of the Father. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Hallelujah. Um, and so, anyway, it's always been kind of the thing with that, bringing Jesus a gift. And um, it, let's just read what happened here. Uh, Matthew 2, 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, 
Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod was king, the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, is in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. The king's not happy with this. Herod, when he'd privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. What a snake. Because he doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. And they had heard the king. They departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now I've studied this a little bit, and I found out that the most valuable at that time of all three gifts was the frankincense. The frankincense had more market value than even the amount of gold that was brought. Isn't that something? And still today is a very expensive um, uh, item. And, uh, and sort of, you know, they, they sell it now in form of like essential oils, but it's still very, like, you know, it's expensive. More expensive than French perfume. You know, I mean, it's, it's up there, high-priced. And uh, I saw, I don't guess you should joke around about these things, but I did see a funny thing on Facebook the other day about the three wise men. And uh, the one said, Jesus, I've brought gold. And the other one said, I've brought frankincense. And the last one said, but wait, there's myrrh. Sorry. more there's more there's more but wait there's more i also saw a little thing that said if it would have been the three wise women not the three wise men they would have brought diapers and baby wipes and uh formula something that mary could really use <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love that. That's you gotta have a sense of humor, right? <laughs> the three wise women. Praise God. Anyway, they brought him the most from the, each of probably their area was maybe famous for, for these uh treasures, and they brought him the most valuable things that they could. It's it's interesting that they knew who this was going to be. They knew he was the Son of God. They knew he was the Savior. Amen? Praise God. So, that being preached and said, they presented this 
They were also warned not to tell Herod anything, and he didn't get the information, thank God. And God made a plan of escape. So I wanted to say that to you that, you know, let's, let's just be thankful this Christmas season for this beautiful gift that we have from God. It's our whole life, folks. Salvation, deliverance, healing, provision, blessing. Praise God. And uh, I don't know about you, but that the idea of God giving Jesus uh, inspires me even to be a greater giver. Amen. I want to I wanna give more of myself, my time, but also my money. You know, everybody says, well, it's not just money. Usually people that say it's not just money don't give any money. But, uh, <laughs> but I want to give money away too, praise God, or whatever the need is, uh, as much as the Lord blesses me to give back. Amen? Sometimes it's just a matter of obedience. You know, I'm going to tell a little bit of a, uh, a story. I got about five minutes left uh, on my mother here. My mother and father were the greatest givers I ever saw. I'm telling you, uh, and, and, uh, and at times when they often didn't have a lot to give. But um, I, I watched them do things. You know, as a kid, you watch things. As a young person, you watch your folks and, and learn from them. And my mother here and dad, they, you know, God began to bless them. Of course, that, listen, folks, you, you, if you're a giver, you can't not be blessed. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. And we used to sing that old song, you know, you can't get out give God no matter how hard you try. You can't beat God. It says that you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. And uh, I watched in a, in a missions uh, service one time, uh, uh, a ministry there in, in Oklahoma that had a great Latin American outreach. And, and God was moving. It was one of those services where God was moving, you know, and people were coming down front with their, offerings and their gifts and giving things and started giving property and started giving uh, valuable things that they owned, you know, to the ministry, not my ministry. So as a, like I said, another ministry, uh, were receiving this offering, um, really weren't even receiving an offering. You know what I mean? They weren't taking an offering up. They just, uh, people just started responding. They sort of an impromptu spontaneous offering. Have you ever been in a service like that? It's a beautiful thing to see, uh, especially when it's not coerced or, you know, talk you into or threaten you. If you don't give, the devil's going to blow up your washer and dryer tomorrow, you know, or something. It's always appliances that, that get nailed in these cursed prophecies. But uh, your vacuum cleaner is going to blow up and put dirt in your eye. But, uh, you know, this, uh, the, the, it was one of those services. And I, and I watched, my mother was, she was one of those first ones to jump up there. My mother jumps up and takes the biggest diamond ring that she'd ever had, just right off her hand and put it in the offering. I, I was sitting there crying. I thought, my goodness, so, uh, a lady had blessed my mother a few years before with a beautiful big diamond ring. and said, the Lord wants you to have this. My mother took it right off, put it in the offering. Well, my dad, pretty soon he's walking down the aisle. I can tell he's not super excited about what the Lord told him to do, but he's going to do it. They were like, you don't have to be excited about obedience. You just obey, you know. 
So they, my dad comes down the aisle, and he's got his car keys. I don't know how they got home that night, but he's got his car. He's got a, a, a beautiful car um, that was like a collector's car. I won't even tell you the brand because sometimes that freaks out people. But anyway, it was a very expensive, nice car. And my dad had the keys to that. And, of course, it was paid for, title and everything. And he went up and says, I'm, uh, the Lord's told me to sew my car, my special car, into this ministry. Isn't that something? And I'm just, I'm just telling you what they did. And so they came up and he, and he sewed that, that, that vehicle. Uh, that ministry actually sent that car to Guatemala and used it on the field. To, for the uh, amen for the, uh, uh, the the lead missionary to use because um, this particular car you could get parts easily there and and it just seemed to be the perfect vehicle and um, and I watched God give them brand new cars like God like God moved on mother one time was believing God for a Cadillac and that was back when they were long and big and beautiful. She's believing God for a Cadillac, believing God for it, not asking somebody to pay for it for her, not asking, you know, all these criticisms. Well, I'm driving around and I lot. You know, it's like you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, somebody's using their faith for it, you know, and has sown seeds towards it. And so my mother, she needs a car and she's believing God. Well, my dad, you know, he was Mr. Fix-It, like most men are. And uh, he's going to arrange something else. And one day he came in. She's believing God. She says, I want a Coupe de Ville. And I want it uh, baby blue with a white interior. That was the thing back then. And so uh, leather. Well, that was kind of expensive, you know, to get a nice one or one that was not very many miles on it or whatever. So she's standing her ground, mother, here. And uh, dad came in one time. He says, Jerry. He says, I was talking to the banker, and he's got a beautiful Buick. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with a Buick. Praise God. They're nice cars. Got a beautiful Buick, low miles. Somebody, you know, the bank took it back or whatever, and they, can, and they said I could make payments, and it's all prearranged, and it, it'll just be great for you. And she said, is it a Cadillac? He said, no. She said, then I'm not going to go look at it. Now, she won't even come down the stairs to look at it. He's got it in the driveway. Well, he told me to drive it home. Let's go out to eat. We'll drive it this week. No, I don't want payments, and I don't want a Buick. I want a Cadillac. And my dad was so aggravated at her because she wouldn't even look. Well, just look at it. I don't even want to look at it. Look out the window at it. I don't want to see it. Get it out of my driveway. So he had to go home. He said, well, my wife's. Really being stubborn on this one. But what's the stubborn? It was faith. She's believing in God. So one day, don't you love these stories? One day, not too long after that, the Buick incident, uh, there was this couple. That my dad was a teacher at Rama at Kenneth Hagin Ministries there. And there was this couple that were students from California. And um, they were, you know, quite successful in their life and they were students they had like at retirement age decided we're going to go to bible school and you get in the ministry somehow y'all want to hear the rest of the story so 
So you see, they uh, said to my dad just one day, casual, said, um, would you like, we'd like to take you to lunch. And my dad says, okay, there's a Mexican place around the corner. We'll go there. You know, there's a Mexican place in Tulsa every five minutes. We have gas stations and Mexican restaurants. And um, so said, um, there's a Mexican place, quite good around the corner. We'll just go there. Yeah, okay. Well, my dad, they said, well, you can ride with us in our car. And they drive up and they've got a baby blue Coupe de Ville with white leather interior and um, white leather top. You know, you had to have a vinyl top, not, not leather, vinyl, vinyl top. Leather top would be bad, wouldn't it? Vinyl top. How many remember they put vinyl tops on cars, you know? So uh, the car was only two years old. It's almost brand new, beautiful. So my dad got in there and he looked around and he thought, well, this is nice. I think this is kind of what Jerry's believing for. Well, uh, obviously he didn't say anything. That would be tacky. Well, this is exactly what my wife is believing for. I mean, that's really bad. That's not faith. That's begging. It's a, it's a faith. It's a, the spirit of suggestion, you know. <laughs> the gift of suggestion. So they got in the car and went to lunch and just small talked, whatever. And uh, after the lunch, they asked my dad when they drove him back up to Rama to his office, they said, do you, do you like this car? And my dad said, well, who wouldn't like this car? It's beautiful. They said, do you think your wife would like this car? And my dad said, I almost said, well, sure, but I couldn't afford a car like this. There's no way I could swing that or get the money or whatever. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, shut up. Don't talk. Answer their questions. So he said, okay. So he said, sure. Who wouldn't like this car? They said, well, we feel like the Lord is speaking to us for some reason to give you this car for your wife to drive. They didn't even let him drive it. And they handed my dad the keys, and they already had gone to the, the title people and the tag office and changed it and put it in his name. It was already their car in my mother's name. Before lunch, they'd already done it. And she, he brought it home, and he said to mother, I got a car out here I think you'll like. And she said, she said is it a Cadillac? <laughs> he said, just come look at it. I'm not coming unless it's a Cadillac. He said, Jerry, get down the stairs. So she comes out there, and she goes, well, that's pretty, but I don't think we can afford it. <laughs> She's believing God. He said, you don't have to. He said, oh, I think we can afford this one. It's paid for. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. That blesses me. How do you criticize that? It was faith. It was prayer. Nobody was suggested. Nobody was asked to donate a dollar to it. Nothing. You can't throw a rock at it. It's believing God. Amen. So you know what? You, you sow these seeds. You, you don't have faith so much in your seed sown. Like your faith is in your obedience. Your faith is in the word 
Your faith is in Jesus and his faithfulness. Amen. Hallelujah. And he will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. Praise God. I'm trying to encourage you today. Amen. Whatever seeds you've sown, believe God that they produce a harvest. Amen. Well, you say, well, I don't even believe in all that, and I don't even want to harvest. Well, fine, don't criticize those that do believe in it and get it to work. Amen? Be happy for them for once. Praise God. Well, that'll work for your healing. That'll work for whatever you need. I'm telling you, we serve a giving God today, and He wants to meet your need this Christmas season. All right, praise the Lord. I'm, let's pray. I'm going to pray for the, those watching on, online. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today, Lord. If there's anybody here in the sanctuary or watching online that have not made Jesus the Lord of their life, I thank you, Lord, that right now they can do that. They can say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash away all my sin. Make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior today. Amen. Those that are having a healing need, in the name of Jesus, I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and growths and problems and diseases of any name. Every name has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus and, and fall at his feet. I thank you, Lord, for this. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise today. In Jesus' name, Lord, those that need a financial miracle this season, they need a material need met, like the story I was just told. Father, I thank you that you can make things happen and that you show yourself strong in every way, in every area, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now lift your hands and praise him and thank him for his beautiful gift. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to do one song for you since it's Christmas. Um, I think, Jerry Lee, do we have the words to go tell it on the mountain? All right. Can I have some singers up here? And uh, we'll sing, go tell it on the mountain. 